everyone, welcome to Mecca Talks, your access all areas pass to the beauty, business and lifestyle experts we call our community. I'm Kate Blythe, the Chief Marketing Officer here at Mecca. And I'm Zara Wong, Head of Content. In today's episode, we're talking to Nessa Porte founder and founding partner of Imaginary Ventures, Natalie Massonet. Hi Kate. Hi Zara. So we've got a really interesting and amazing guest today. We have one, um, a guest that I'm particularly excited about and an old friend of mine, an old colleague of mine. Um, We have the incredible Natalie Massonet joining us. So she's had a really interesting and amazing entrepreneurial career. She was at Netaporte, well, she founded Netaporte. She wasn't at Netaporte, she founded Netaporte, which is where you worked. Yes, I did. I worked with her from about 2006 to 2013. So that's like your old boss. Yeah, she was my boss. Your old boss. She served as chairman of the British Fashion Council and co chairman of Farfetch. She was named amongst many lists in Time Magazine's 100 Most Influential People. And she was made Dame Commander of the Order of the British Empire in recognition of her contributions to the fashion and retail industry. She's pretty amazing. And she is a, a she's a um, true visionary. And what I love about Natalie is that she is always there for everybody who's worked with her along the years. And, you know, just such a wonderful person as well as being one of the most visionary entrepreneurs out there. And so you've worked, as you said, you worked with her. What is one of your favorite memories with her? Oh, I, d- I mean, there are so many. What I love about Natalie is that she was always thinking about what's next. So you could go into the office and think, right, well, we're doing this today and this is what we're focusing on. And she'd be like, I've got this amazing idea. I want us to focus here. I want us to go after this. And it would always be years ahead of anyone else. And so you were thinking all the time, ah, you're always thinking about what's coming in the future. Mm. And that has stuck with me forever. I'm never going to be sitting there thinking, well, we'll just do if we carry on doing what we're doing, we'll be successful. No complacency. You're always thinking forward. You're always thinking future. Um, but also, you, so you have that side of Natalie, but also she was always, has always been the best fun. So we would have these amazing um, sort of Christmas parties at the Netaporte offices or we'd hire a venue. And those are the days where the business was pretty small. And we would have the, we would all dress up to the nines. Um, and it was like Studio 54 party. And, and Natalie would be there with her big sort of eyelashes on and everyone would be in their sort of Studio 54 outfits. So we worked hard, but we played hard. And I think that was um, one of the things that Natalie set, set above everyone. everything else was culture. And, and building an incredible culture meant that we as a business were all committed. And I think she is a real um, leader. And I think when you're a leader and you're not a follower, it means that actually you can learn so much from her. So I'm excited about talking to her about her new venture fund imaginary ventures and what she's looking for now with um all the brands that she invests in and her partners invest in as well and she's always got her finger on the pulse of what's coming so um yeah always always fascinating to have a conversation Natalie great let's get her in Welcome, Natalie. Thank you so much for joining us today. And when people found out we've got you on the podcast within Mecca, everyone was like, what an amazing get to get Natalie Massonet. Yeah, absolutely. She, You are the icon. Uh, and Kate raves about you all the time. 
And you're my favorite Australian beauty store. So why, I, why would I not do it? Exactly. Um, and it was just your birthday, wasn't it? How happy birthday to you. Thank you very much. Another another trip around the sun. And um, yeah, I think I'm at that age now where it's like, I'm not deliriously excited about aging, but I'm really happy to be alive. They always say like, considering the alternative. Yeah. <laughs> and, you know, what a what a kind of moment as well in terms of everything that you have achieved over the years, like incredible. And and actually, we had this, um, we do this Monday morning meeting um, every week. And and Joe was kind of talking about the trip to the US and every, everyone we saw and she was saying, and I had this amazing lunch with Natalie Massenet and it was so inspiring. We talked about men's and we talked about, you know, what we could do in the US. And, and so you're there, you're there with us every day, <laughs> which is really nice. Well, you know, it's always fun to talk about things and it's great to meet a, uh, a founder of a business. I mean, found, founder-led businesses are always um, very energetic and um, uh, you know are able to make decisions about the direction because it's inherent in the leadership to you know do do what needs to be done and I love when when I saw you in New York and and you sort of um we asked you a question about you know sort of how you're how you think about starting businesses and what motivates you that entrepreneurial spirit and I think something you said which really stuck with me was that you're you're never you know you're always thinking about the next thing you're always thinking about what to launch next and and so tell us a little bit about that and also when how you started on your journey of entrepreneurship and you know for all of us sort of females around the table really you have always been an icon of making those bold decisions and leading the charge and what was the kind of pivotal moment where you decided, I'm going to do something different here. I'm going to shake up this industry. And and how did that make you feel? Um, for first, I guess, you know, it's easy to look back and to think, ah, oh, this is why I'm here. Um, but um, something that I always did I mean, starting in high school was talking about what's next, what's next, what's coming next. And it was, um, it started because my mom was living in Paris and I was growing up with my dad in LA and I would go to Paris and she would buy me, you know, what the hottest fashion in Europe. And at the time, globalization didn't really exist. I mean, this is, you know, the dawn of time. <laughs> when I was in high school. And, um, and so trends really took a very long time to come to America from Europe. Literally like the, the, the digital world today is uh, ambidextrous. Follows, follows you everywhere. Um, so I would come back to high school and people would be like, what are you wearing? And I'd say, well, you laugh now, but you'll all be wearing it next year. And sure enough, they'd all be wearing it next year. And so that became something that I really enjoyed to do was sort of say, this is going to happen. And I channeled that into being a journalist, um, which is um, really what a journalist does is to look at what is happening um, name trends, describe them for the readers. And, and, you know, obviously a journalist makes money by telling you something new. Otherwise, they would stop selling copy because you'd just be reading the same thing over and over again. And um, so you always had to be on the lookout for something new. And my editor at the time, um, Patrick McCarthy, who uh, ran Women's Wear Daily, basically gave me a top tip, which was, you know, if you see three things, they can be completely unconnected, 
Um, you hear about it from a friend, you see it on the bus as it's going by. Um, and, uh, you know, if you can have three instances of something, it's a trend, name it, coin it, <laughs> give it a smart name, and write about it. And, um, and so I started doing that for Women's Wear Daily and really honed that way of thinking about what was next. And as a journalist, because you are thinking about what's coming, I, I always say journalists make really good entrepreneurs because they are thinking about what's coming next. And, and I had these crazy ideas. I wanted to start a luxury candle business and I wanted to start a coffee business because I started watching how people were socializing and I watched people fill their homes with these um, votive candles unbranded votive candles and thought, oh, you know, there are opportunities in both of these businesses. And I went and I talked to experts in both cases. One, I designed my own luxury candles and went to Fred Siegel in Los Angeles. And I said, um, here's my, I'm thinking I could sell these candles. They're highly decorated. They're really beautiful instead of plain. And, and she said to me, um, you know, no one's ever gonna spend more than a dollar on a candle. <laughs> Um, this is not a good business idea. <laughs> we know what happened. That's, that's just not okay, is it? Because that could have been, you could have been the queen of candles. Well, I, I could have been the queen of candles, but I listened to her because she was an expert. She was, you know, somebody who was in retail and who understood. So I, I took her at face value. Then I wanted to do this coffee shop idea where people would go and like, drink coffee and listen to music <laughs> and talk magazines. And I went to a friend of mine um, who had a space in Melrose and said, let's do this thing together. And he said, no, 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 no one's ever going to spend more than, a I mean, there's a theme here. No one's ever going to spend more than a dollar. Um, let's open a restaurant together. And it was interesting because then I was like, well, it's not that I want to start a, a place where people eat. I don't, I'm not interested in hospitality. I'm interested in this new concept of how people are to spend their time. So I said, no, 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 I don't want to do that. I'll carry on being a journalist. And <laughs> so you could have been the queen of Starbucks. <laughs> could have been Starbucks. So then flash forward to Amazon launches. Everyone's at a party talking about how there's this thing, the worldwide interweb and people are <laughs> shopping online and they're buying books and people were debating saying, I'll never buy a book without touching it. Um, and I started thinking about that uh, you know magazines where I, by the by that time I was working for fashion magazines and I was thinking you know the ultimate fashion magazine would be one that you could read about what was new click on a picture and then you know bingo presto something arrives on, on your doorstep which is exactly what you just saw and and you didn't have to lift a finger and I thought the internet could allow us to do that and um, and then sure enough everybody said no one's ever going to do that. In a way, I was armed with this great conviction of what it was that we were going to build and that it needed to exist and that my instincts were not completely bananas. And, and then, um, I mean, but an extraordinary amount of naivete around what it would take to, to get there. And, and then learned that actually I have an entrepreneurial personality and that I enjoy new things. And, you know, that was, 20 some years ago and um, never really stopped thinking about what was next all the time because you you asked me when we had lunch you yeah. said oh are, are you you know um how did you say it like is it like thinking about 
are you bored doing were you bored doing one thing at Nada Porte? Yeah. I think I think that was the question is like you who like is so like excited now about all these new ideas, were you bored then? And it's like, well, I always even though it was one business, we were always thinking yeah. about what was next, whether it was shopping in discount or launching a men's business or shoppable magazines or shoppable social media and that sort of thing. So I think that one thing I learned about myself throughout the whole journey was that I really, really thrive on following the consumer and what's next and, and not just watching it happen, but trying to predict it and then now be part of it as a investor in the consumer ecosystem, whether it's beauty or food and beverage or platforms or new new ways of shopping, um, new ways of marketing, uh, I'm even more excited than you know in 1999 because I'm looking at the entire ecosystem, not just one part of it. I think one of the amazing things about you, Natalie, is um, you have the vision and you take the risk and you always made it so compelling for everyone around you. And the things that we did in Net Forte all those years ago, we were like 15 years ahead of where everyone is. So we, I remember we got Victoria Beckham to walk onto the homepage as if it was an immersive kind of world. And we had like an Alexander McQueen shoppable runway before anyone did anything like it. And we were just trying things. And if it didn't stick, it didn't stick. We tried something new. And that kind of energy and entrepreneurial spirit, but also getting the whole team behind you, I think is one of your most wonderful skills, which is why, you know, everybody who's ever worked with you still follow you where you go and still think of everything that you do. And, and um, you know, this is what, Zara sitting here she's she knows because I tell her all these stories the things we did and now we're doing them but we did them I did this <laughs> so long ago um and I do think that is that energy and that kind of to your point that vision of seeing what's coming is um is uh you know it's a master skill so um but it's very inspiring well right back at you I think that there's no point being you know by yourself coming up with ideas I got all my energy from um, everybody who was around and listened to ideas, made them better, helped deliver them. And, um, you know, being part of a team was always something that I really valued. And uh, there wasn't a day where I wasn't, you know, completely in love with the, the business, what we were doing. But you bring up a point that we did a lot of things very early. And there is such a thing as being, you know, too early. Mm -hmm. And and um, probably over the course of 15 years, there were the germs of entirely new industries. I remember when we launched for Fashion's Night Out, um, the ability to shop through augmented reality. Yeah. And this was, what, maybe, what, 10 years ago? Uh -huh. And um, we, you know, through the phone, we were able to show a store window come to life, which was a still image, but the models walked towards you you were able to buy clothes off of the models you were able to buy things from an image that was just floating in front of you and um and i remember thinking it would be amazing to just have a entire you know cities covered in these what we call them sticker stores right <laughs> and, and that in itself could have been an entirely new way of shopping um, and i think you know I'm very excited about all the developments in augmented reality. And now we have companies really investing in 
the, the hardware, which is going to enable us to live in the real world and in the digital augmented reality world. Um, so between Apple and Meta and mm. Snapchat, and, um, our cool new Ray-Bans that yeah. um, give us a glimpse into the digital world and while we're still sitting at our desks, um, I think we're going to see some really exciting things. And But, you know, when businesses are small, when they are just getting started, just because they don't engage a ton of people or you compare that to a much bigger business within an even bigger industry, it's very easy to write something off as not being important or not um, being able to scale because it's just so new. Mm -hmm. And actually, it's those very new ideas that start off small that are creating new markets that uh, are ultimately where the most exciting business opportunities are. I mean, bringing it back to beauty, for example, you know, I'm sure you can remember the day where somebody walked in and said, I wanted to launch a, you know, a, a clean beauty brand, whether it was Kosas or Gucci Westman from Westman Atelier to think about, no, I want to, I want to, she wanted to change the way that uh, product is made. And um, not only are you starting a new business, which in, a, in of itself, if you were going to open a restaurant tomorrow, it, it's not easy, but starting a new business and then starting an entirely new category with entirely new supply chain, educating a customer from scratch. These things take a while, but um, you know we know that we're going to open our eyes in 10 years' time and um, Westman Atelier is going to be the biggest beauty brand on the planet. Yep. Uh, it's going to take a little bit longer to get there because Gucci's doing something new. Um, and those are the those are the things that are worthwhile, but it's very easy to dismiss them when when they're little. And I think if you're somebody with an idea and you want to do something new, um, you can't compare yourself to big existing businesses. You have to just do what you're going to do, make it the best that you can with what the resources that you have, and then continuously improve on it. And and sure enough. If you do that, keep your head down, work very, very hard for a few years. You can peek up over the parapet <laughs> and say, oh, actually, I've accomplished something. Um, but you can't judge yourself. And, and this is something that we are very aware of at Imaginary. It's, you know, you can't dismiss an idea just because it's early. Um, you, you have to think about what it will take to get it to scale um, finance it properly but not dismiss it you've gone full circle then because actually if you had walked into imaginary ventures which is your amazing new business um, which you you started with Nick Brown um, and you've got an incredible team on it and you if you had walked into that team and said hey candles candles I've got a feeling this could be big or <laughs> coffee shops and actually in a way you're giving your future selves the future Natalie's those opportunities which I think is incredibly um, empowering for you as well yeah and Bob's as well um, I'm an equal, um, multiple gender opportunity uh, giver um, we we are always very excited when somebody comes in the door with a new idea and challenges the status quo. And there are so many consumer segments today that are still being underserved and so many opportunities. And it's very easy to take a business model, copy it, duplicate it, 
and run with that. And there are opportunities there for sure. And a lot of amazing businesses have been started doing variations on the theme. But when an entrepreneur walks in and thinks, oh, you know, there needs to be um, diversity in uh, color cosmetics. There needs to be size inclusivity in apparel with 73% of, I'm now using a US stat, but 73% of US customers not being able to find clothes in their own size. Um, just because it doesn't exist doesn't mean that it shouldn't. And entrepreneurs that are thinking about underserved customer segments, and, and a lot of the times, the founders that walk in are their own customers, so they really empathize with the situation, and they understand that um, there is a market for what it is that they are going to be selling. Um, they have a unique perspective, and that those are the businesses that we get excited about. I mean, we also back, you know, incredible technology platforms that are empowering founders to be able to scale their businesses and that's uh imaginary is really looking at the entire yeah. consumer ecosystem I love and, that. and as like the ultimate founder yourself and now you're on the other side seeing these newer founders come through advising them helping them supporting them what is it like to see someone who is at the beginning of their journey and something that you've lived through <laughs> well it's a little bit like when your best friend says they're pregnant <laughs> you're like <laughs> so happy for you and then you're like when do I tell you about the stretch mark when do I tell you about this bit um you know there's something amazing about having made a lot of mistakes and and learned uh by doing and then being able to share some wisdom and you know it's I hope that anyone who walks through the imaginary doors never makes the same mistakes I made. They'll make new ones, um, but they hopefully they won't make my mistakes. And um, and then we all learn from each other. But um, it's uh, it's really amazing to to be able to help people with uh, on their journey. And but the reality is is that you know you may get support and advice externally in the end it's your journey and um, very excited to you know be there for for the founders that we're, we're giving them capital we give them advice mentorship we connect them into this ecosystem but in the end they're the ones who have to deliver the business they're the ones who have to stand in front of their board and declare their results and inspire their team to deliver even, you know, we've just lived through COVID and now the beginnings of a recession and, you know, how they're the ones who have to deliver. And oh, that's at the point at which, you know, we become investors and we say, we're here for you, but uh, you're, you're going to do it. And no one can take away from what the founder has or, or the team that are part of a startup deliver together. And you have like boundless energy for this. And, um, you know, I, that's always kind of blown my mind. And in the back of your, I can see in your office right now, you've got a little Karl Lagerfeld, which, which takes me back to the day where we launched Karl Lagerfeld's collection. And we had this kind of <laughs> worldwide kind of pop-ups of these great big boxes. And it was quite wild what we did. And that energy of, of really doing things differently and kind of changing the game still is with you now. And, and 
how do you how do you come can we talk about the Karl Lagerfeld launch for a second? Yeah, please let's so, do it. <laughs> there, there we were in Saint Germain, and we had launched this global campaign to launch Karl the brand. And I'm standing next to Karl Lagerfeld with this like glass cube that appeared at midnight, like three days earlier, next to the the De Mago and the Café de Flore, and um, and it's like heaving and there are like photographers everywhere and crowds are everywhere and we had this ipad and you were going to be able to shop the cube <laughs> and carl and i were standing there and then it was like and now it's live and models came out of nowhere and all this and there was a girl who was standing in line who i said you you come and be the first person to shop this augmented reality throbbing cube in the middle of paris and so she she walks up to me with her big eyes and I hand her the iPad and, and I'm like, shop it. And she points it at the cube and then nothing happens. <laughs> and I actually blacked out. I have, because there were like photographers taking pictures. I'm standing next to Carl and Carl is like, isn't it amazing? You know, you can shop this cube. And the girl is looking at me like with a panic look in her eye. Like as people were trying to take pictures of her doing this incredible new shopping experience and nothing was happening. And then I don't remember what happened for the next, you know, <laughs> five minutes <laughs> somehow I was no longer in front of the cube it managed to work I had seen like people were running around trying to you know connect the wi-fi and um but I always think of that about that poor young woman who I handed the ipad to and said now you should the cube and nothing happened and that I must have zoned out I, I maybe I walked away from her I don't know like anyway it was I, I sometimes like think back to that and laugh a lot yeah um, out of body experience yeah we had some we had lots of fun and uh we just had to kind of power through it style it out and keep trying and yeah. there's something to said about launching very quietly in a beta as opposed to <laughs> with like crowds of paparazzi and Karl Lagerfeld in the middle of yeah, Paris standing next to you. <laughs> it was it was pretty legendary um at the time and I think yeah it gave us all a few gray hairs but um it was yeah. like fun <laughs> very makes, very makes for a good story at least you can look back and laugh yeah exactly Exactly. And so how do you, with that sort of boundless energy and that, you know, really doing things differently and being a game changer, ultimately, how do you balance that with, you know, you've got an amazing family and you've lived all over the world. How do you sort of get that balance of... How do you do it? Yeah. How <laughs> well, do you kind we of... all want to know. Exactly. I'm sure it's like you and how you do it because everybody has the same 24 hours a day and, and our schedules and connectivity don't give us any kind of break um so you have to be at some point disciplined um and i'm pretty binary so when i'm in the office i'm full on if i'm in a meeting with you i i'm in a meeting with you i don't check my phone and my assistant has to come and physically remove me <laughs> from the office because i i could just keep going um and but once I'm at home and with my family, um, I I'm there. I'm focused on that, and I'm focused on them, and I'm focused on resting. I love sleeping. I love watching television and movies with my my kids, and I mean it's super precious time. And you know it's uh, I think you just have to recharge your batteries that way and just be disciplined. Um, Plus, as soon as they could, 
you know, my kids would just take the phone away from me. Um, <laughs> that's, that's, that's very well trained of them. Yeah, that's great. My kids need to do that we, with me. We police each other, yes. They're, so I think, I don't know, I, I, I've always been able to, to switch off. Um, weekends are sacred. And, um, you know, at Imaginary, we do this weekly digest of all the most exciting investment opportunities that have that we've been looking at for the week before. And it's a big partner meeting here in the office. And um, when we started Imaginary, we were gonna do it on Monday mornings. And I said, no, 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 it's not, let's not do it on Monday mornings because that means everyone's gonna work on Sunday preparing for Monday. And really we need to take Sunday off. And um, so we do those meetings on a Tuesday. And I think it's just about making sure that you keep those times sacred. Yeah, it's very thoughtful. That's do you know what? Such it's such good advice, and having that real sort of um, separation and and carving out that time. I think you're right. It's really it's precious, and it goes quickly, especially when you've got small children as well, and they're every every sort of minute counts because they're all they're changing so fast. Um, mm-hmm. And you know, it's a great great advice there for lots of people who are listening, and for us actually. Um, Zara's yeah. about to have a baby herself, her first. Oh so. yes. That's why you said you said analogy. I was like, it's been very close yes. to home. Yeah, exactly. You wait. <laughs> Everyone Your first one? Like, first one, yeah. Everyone just yeah, looks at me great. and laughs. Congratulations. <laughs> <laughs> I'll tell you about the stretch marks later and all the pain later. that's coming. Yeah. <laughs> um it's and you, Exactly. And you're based now, um, Natalie, you've you've lived, you grew up in LA and Paris. You lived in London for a really long time. And now you're back in New York. Um, and when I saw you in New York, we were talking about that. And you said, I feel like I'm a New Yorker. I feel like this is home. Is that how you feel? Or you, do you still feel a bit, you're a global traveller? Um, I am still a global person. But I, I don't know if anyone is purely all New Yorker. I mean, I guess Nick Brown, my business partner, was born and raised here. But um, I think there's a New York attitude. And I, I, I love being in New York. And it is, you know, it's, it's the song. I mean, you can't be in New York without having music and a soundtrack. And <laughs> you can make, make it anywhere. And, you know, uh, I love New York in June. It's almost <laughs> June. I mean, there's a... So many different um, musical moments around New York and Empire State of Mind. And uh, I don't think any other cities ever had so many songs written about them. I mean, maybe Los Angeles, um, but uh, it's amazing to be here. And I feel like I've graduated to New York, you know, if I'm finally made here. it. Yes. <laughs> you definitely made it. And what, in, like, what inspired you to even to go back to the beginning, to even start Imaginary Ventures after being at NET and you know, the other ventures, why Imaginary now? Well, it's it's really an extrapolation and expansion and scale. So it started with one business, one business idea, which then morphed into several brands within one platform. And um, in, you know, we were multi-brand retailers at Net-A-Porte, so I got to see firsthand um, the the speed with which consumers were discovering and embracing new brands, and it you know 
very early on in about 2010, we would see brands launch on the platform that would do million dollar days out of nowhere. No education about who they were and no wholesale distribution, just direct to consumer. And so it dawned on me that you know, we were gonna see a great uh, migration, changing of the guard of, of brands and new brands muscling in for consumer attention and consumer dollars. And um, the entire ecosystem was changing. And um, you know, when I left Net-A-Porte, I was obsessed with uh, decentralized distribution and the ability to shop inventory in, you know, we, we talked about stores as warehouses. And I was super excited to join Jose Nevis on his far-fetched journey for a few years as that was exploding and um, re, you know, rethinking how product was distributed. And it was at a time when brands were exploding, they were being built on Shopify. Mm -hmm. And you know, we, the decade before that, brands built their own tech platforms from scratch. Mm -hmm. And so they required a lot of money to, to get off the ground. And they were, they were seen as much as technology companies as they were brand companies, but Shopify coming along, giving entrepreneurs an opportunity to piggyback on existing technology meant that you could focus on brands. Yeah, and I've always loved brands and new businesses and consumers. So um, the ability to be there at the, the dawn of this new explosion of uh, what we call today the creator economy, the ability for someone with an idea and to be able to piggyback on this very low barrier to entry platform of marketing distribution um, and to connect with another consumer that they've never met and you know just reach out with a product. Um, was super compelling and very exciting. I, I think we need to all watch exactly what you what you invest in. So we know we're going to follow that sort of trend. Um, and well, actually talking about imaginary, you have your finger on the pulse and you have been, all of you there are amazing at spotting that talent and spotting the businesses that you really think are going to go um, boom. And some of those, just to pull them out, we've got Skims, Cosas, Necessaire, which we've, we're just launching currently at the moment. We did a um, sort of insider access last week with our top tier customers. Um, Everlane, Reformation, Westman Atelier. Some of the, these are these are kind of zeitgeist brands. And I think that collection of zeitgeist brands together, and as you were saying as well about some of these tech brands that you're also working with, is an incredible mix. They're great. They're great sort of cohorts in there. Um, when you had, when you were putting the, that sort of portfolio together, did you have anyone in mind, or was it that they were coming to you? How did that process work? Well, I came at Imaginary as an operator and an entrepreneur, and Nick Brown came at it with almost a decade's worth of investing in the direct-to-consumer space. So we were able to hit the ground running with his reputation as an investor, and um, we, we looked at the consumer ecosystem and we thought, okay, who's doing a really great job today? And we invested in some established businesses like Glossier mm -hmm. and Everlane and Reformation. And we were shareholders of Farfetch before it went public. Um, and in order to set a tone as to what we stood for and, and the types of entrepreneurs that we backed, 
And then um, we, we work on, you know, in venture capital terms, there's outbound, <laughs> inbound. Um, so we get a lot of inbound um, approaches from entrepreneurs that know us as consumer investors and um, who, you know, show us business plans, sometimes on the back of an envelope, Necessaire was very early, early stage business that we looked at. Um, Skims was pre-launch. Um, and, um, and sometimes when they're up and running. And, um, but then also we keep track of trends and new exciting developments in the consumer space. And we'll reach out to businesses that we think are doing a great job and um, try and add value. And then we have this third bucket, which are things that we think should exist <laughs> that we we almost visualize as if they were there. And kind of, kind of incubation. Well, it's an incubation at the same, but it's what we'd really love to do is to find a founder who has the same ideas we have mm -hmm. and we can, you know, back them and they deliver it. And what, I, what idea is that? Should I go and do it? <laughs> Not, no, you need to have a baby first. Focus on one thing at a time. Well, well while you're, you know, in, in labor, you can think about men's beauty and men's skincare. <laughs> and you can think about aging and the 50 plus consumer who is by and large ignored not marketed to products are not necessarily made for that consumer yet it's the fastest growing long living longer than ever before with access to the most disposable income consumer group um, and then you take men for example which i started off with you know they they have skin too and uh, they <laughs> want to look good and um, for some reason the and I'm going to use beauty in quotes, like the beauty industry has only been, has been built around women, but, um, you know, why, if you, if you switch the word out beauty and replace it with, you know, a phrase like look better, look refreshed, be your best self, mm -hmm. um, you know, why shouldn't that industry also embrace men? And um, so we think there's a lot of opportunities just looking at around at consumers that are being underserved so those are a couple of the things that you can work on while you're having your baby exactly and add that to the list <laughs> yeah. and when you see someone with an idea like that i mean and true as a forward journalist yourself natalie that must be so inspiring to see all these ideas come through and all these thoughts how do you shepherd that idea from being an idea to being actual viable business well, you know, if it's really early days, um, we, we, we've been known to sit down with the founder and build operating plans for them and take some of their assumptions and, and create a roadmap in terms of how much money it will take to get to market. Um, you know, what is, a, if, if they're selling a product, what would be the optimal gross margin and um, how, how big is the market and, and do a lot of deep dives into the data side of things. And then on the softer side, helping uh, entrepreneurs think about their branding, their marketing, um, consumer communications, team building. Um, we have a, a, a head of people at Imaginary that helps re founders recruit their key team members. Oh, that's great. 
So, you know, all the elements that you need to get off the yeah. ground. Like, We're building you know, a production studio for ideas. I would also say that one of your um, fantastic qualities is that real leadership, Natalie, and um, the building great cultures. And you, I think it's such a, um, you know, you know, you have all these great businesses that don't have good cultures. And, but, you know, the people who worked with you along the years, they, they talk about that, they share that, they tell those stories still to this day. And I know that that was one of the biggest things that was important to you is building, building a team who worked together in a passionate way and joined the fashion revolution. I think it was, that was the saying we used to have. Um, and is that still something that's important to you now? And and if you were to kind of give advice to anyone of actually how to how to kind of think about culture and think about team and think about leadership in a way that you have done over the years, what would you tell them? Well, I think it's imperative and important because you know in order to get something done that is greater than yourself, you can't do it alone. You you do need people to come and, and join you on that journey. And everybody has their own motivations on uh, why they want to do something. And ultimately, it's for them to have a better life, to have a mortgage, to you know, be able to go on vacation and, and take care of themselves and their family and their friends. And, and so you have to get everyone who is thinking about how something is great for them and not ignore that, take that very seriously, but at the same time, give everyone a common point of purpose and a common point, a common goal and a reason why you have that common goal and so that you feel great about focusing, you know, such an enormous part of your time on, on doing this thing, which is not you laying in a hammock with a tequila. Uh, on the beach. <laughs> I <laughs> um, wish. <laughs> I think making it fun, making it purposeful, um, making it personal, making people, you know, value their time and what they're doing. I think this is culture. I think if you read a book about how to start a business and there's a chapter called culture that feels so nebulous and so intangible and what are you talking about? And um, it's a little bit like inviting people over for dinner. Mm -hmm. You open the door, you welcome them, you make them feel at home. You, you know, you, you get them the drink, you know, you don't wait for them to like go over and pour themselves something and you, you, you serve them first, you, um, you make sure that they're happy, that the temperature is right, that the lighting's good, that people look good in the lighting and, <laughs> you know, and that you send people home before four in the morning and <laughs> they get a good night's sleep. Um, I mean, it's just, I think it's um, when you are putting together an organization of people, you have to think about how yeah. that group are going to coagulate and form a team. And I think there's a lot of lessons, obviously, in how coaches put together sports teams. And I always think of the all-stars, yeah. you know, whether in soccer or basketball, where you take a big star of one team that used to compete with another team and you bring them together in the all-star and they have to form a team. And um, so I think the way that coaches do it with superstars and bringing them together um, is something that I always look at in terms of team building because you've got individuals and a team and you have to think about how, how that system works. Mm -hmm. um, and I think 
it's a killer advantage because if you've got somebody who, who you know, decides, chooses that they want to come and build the thing that you think might be worth building, you know, they, they have choices, they have other things they have to do. So you have to thank them for, for, for that. And, um, you know, especially if you're going to be exigent and, and demand a lot from mm -hmm. your team, you, you, you get back what you give, right? Yeah. And I think you've always, you know, building your businesses over the years, you've always led with that sense of fun, excitement and vision, which people really want to be a part of and kind of getting that message across and, um, you know, getting the whole team behind it, I think is a, to your point, killer advantage. Well, before we go into that, I do want to just touch <laughs> on one thing. Sorry, I could talk to you all day. We know this, <laughs> which is you are a Dame. How was that? What was that moment like when you became Dame Natalie Massonet? Oh my God. Well, it, it, it's unbelievable. And, and I think for, for our American viewers, um, being a Dame means to be knighted. And, um, and so if I were a man, I would be Sir Natalie, which I think has a certain ring to it. Um, but it's a big uh, deal. It's huge. Um, but I'm, I'm, I'm a Dame. And I got, you know, you get this letter in the post, which is looks like a parking ticket. It's completely <laughs> unbranded. There's no like royal insignia. Um, and I usually don't like to open my mail. I have this like thing that I don't open my mail. Um, so, and <laughs> it's like, I don't know why. It's like the worst habit ever. Just open yeah, your mail. Yeah, the same. It's uh, bizarre. So, but on that particular day, I opened this thing that looked like a parking ticket. And um, uh, it says, you know, it said, congratulations. You know, you've been appointed to the Royal Order, you know, Dame Commander, blah, blah, blah. Please call this number. And it's like a 1-800 number. And you're like, what? And there's like a switchboard you know, for like, hey, congrats, you're a dame. And so you call the switchboard and it's all shrouded in secrecy and you can't tell anybody because you get to decide if you accept it or you decline it. Mm. So, and at this point, I'm thinking this is some kind of temporary honorary thing that they're going to take away. It's not really what I think it is. And I have, you know, <laughs> my real doubts that this is anything genuine. So I call. And I'm like, what's this about? And they're like, oh, congratulations, mom. You know, da, da, da. <laughs> and, um, and I kept asking this poor person on the phone, you know, but what does it mean? And, and, they, and they said, well, you know, you're going to be knighted. And I said, so is this like a thing that I get to have for a while? Or do you take it away? Like an Oscar. And they're like, no, we <laughs> don't take it, it away. Yeah. <laughs> the minute, you know, you can... You you you'll you can be, you're being knighted anyway. So then I burst into tears because when I realized that it was real, and then I couldn't tell anyone. And um, and then they tell that to you. You can't tell anyone. It's a secret. You can't tell anyone. The, Very the sort of British government. Her list. How and, long? Um, I, I think I held it together for four months, and then it was and no one knew. Not even my family. No one. So on New Year's Eve. For New Year's Day, the, the papers in England announced the list. And I think it was like midnight, you know, one past midnight. Um, and like text messages just started like exploding on my daughter's phone, on my phone. And they came running in and they were like, what? <laughs> I forgot to tell you. Um, and um, but it's amazing because when you go into Buckingham Palace and you stand there and you think about you know, the 
the history behind it and and what it means and um you know the knights of the round table and all this it's you know i cried of course i cry all the time and um it was very 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 moving but i i tried not to cry during the ceremony but as soon as i left the room and you have to do this very convoluted you know walking forward curtsying um walking backwards three steps you know um never turn your back you know and exit as soon as i got through that then I burst into tears again. And, um, but I, um, now that I live in New York, I don't really, you know, it was great in, in London because it was the thing, but here in New York, nobody uses it except for getting restaurant reservations. Okay. Uh, yes. <laughs> <laughs> yes. The, Very the, the Brits, the Brits love to, would definitely be using the Dame for sure. Um, and I remember the outfit was, um, we, talked about that and the hat it was Philip Tracy you had a hat made and um it, there was a there was all sorts of um fun and fun and games that went around that how did you how did you choose how to step out into the dame world on that moment um well I had this beautiful suit custom made by Ralph and Russo which were um and I was chairman of the British Fashion Council at the time and Ralph and Russo were the only brand British brand that were accredited in mm. Couture in Paris and so I felt that that would be a really beautiful thing to commemorate it and I was a little bit inspired by Angelina Jolie who had um, gotten an honorary damehood um, uh, a year earlier and she wore a beautiful pale gray Ralph and Russo suit and um, and so I thought well that looked very very elegant and um, and she made me like this amazing red fitted suit with a corset and and hand embroidered inside the jackets, the dates, and oh, beautiful, and wow, done, and um, and all quite tight. And um, so the curtsy mom, was to challenge, was it? <laughs> my mom, who was in the, I brought her to Buckingham Palace with me because you could bring a couple guests. And she said that when I went up to curtsy and uh, do my thing. Um, several men in the um, audience leaned over into the audience <laughs> and she said, Natty, your suit was a great success. <laughs> I love it. You, you got everybody's attention at that moment. That's wonderful. Wow. What is your first ever memory of beauty, Natalie? Well, my mom was a model for Chanel when Coco Chanel was alive um, uh, and is and was still very beautiful. She's 84 years old and um, I mean, she would go out dancing in Paris at Castel and all these extraordinary places. And I just remember watching her dance in the mirror and putting on black eyeliner and um, just being, you know, mesmerized by her and makeup. Gorgeous. So what beauty product or makeup product makes you feel your most confident self? Um, so I guess it's having like strong eyebrows um it feels like my face is not finished until i put on you know do my eyebrows and um westman atelier has just done an amazing new um eyebrow pencil which has like all these lovely different tones and i have i've got dark hair so i have a brown one and, and it has a little brush and you brush first and then you apply it on afterwards and um, yeah, it's quite satisfying. And uh, but I, 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 I would be lying if I said I only use one product. You know, <laughs> I, I, definitely, I definitely like the no makeup makeup look, but it takes a lot of makeup to yeah. get the no makeup look. 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. And actually, you were, um, over the years, you've always been, you know, I remember would have a big event at the Nesh Porte offices and you would be there in the bathroom putting your own makeup on and you were always pretty like on the fly with it. Are you still, do you still do your own or do you have somebody who helps? Uh, I always do my own. You know, I, I, I've stopped cutting my own hair. Um, and um, but, uh, I did that for a very long time. Um, we used to have this like hair cut technique, um, which I think everybody did like in the early days of net porte where you flipped yeah. your head and just cut straight across and you had these amazing layers. Um, but my hairdressers over the years were always horrified. And um, so I stopped doing that, but no, I like to do my own makeup. I'm, I'm actually pretty low maintenance, I would say. Um, so I'm sorry to disappoint anybody who thinks No, that. I remember that. I remember that. It was always, um, it always amazed me, actually. Um, so, and what is, what about your fashion item is your current obsession? And you've obviously, prob- I imagine, have a phenomenal wardrobe. Um, but what currently, right now, are you loving? Well, it's funny that you should mention it because um, I've just had all my clothes shipped over from London to New York. And I yeah. feel like discover- it's like a store. Um, so I'm Shopping your own closet. I'm, yeah. I'm obsessed with my own clothes. Um, so I'm, I'm, I'm pulling out some oldies, but goodies and, you know, everything comes around again. And so I've got, you know, some pretty great stuff. So um, I'm trying to dress up for work, um, even though, you know, we've all been through COVID and Zoom and, um, and so I'm, I'm trying to wear something different every day. Um, I'm trying to make use of all of this pretty stuff in my closet. And so, Natalie, what is the last book you read and that you loved? So I just literally just finished it. Um, I just read um, Answered Prayers by Truman Capote, which was his last novel. And I read it in about five minutes because it's very very salacious and gossipy and fascinating and um, uh, and beautifully written. I mean, extraordinarily written. Um, and, um, and it just reminded, I was on vacation for, we went away for a couple of days, um, last weekend and I hadn't read a book in, I mean, if you'd asked me this question a week ago, I would have said I haven't read a book in three years. Um, this was like the first time I was able to just sit down and read a book. Maybe, and you'll have to remember <laughs> this since you're having a baby, coincides <laughs> with the fact that we have a four-year-old at home. Um, exactly. <laughs> that, that, that makes sense. <laughs> No books three years old. Yeah, I haven't read one for a really long time, too, Zara. <laughs> You'll read lots of books. Don't worry. No, she won't. Yeah, you, none for years. You have no time for yourself. You can't go to the bathroom really, on your own. Really selling motherhood. <laughs> now I'm reading. Um, I'm going to just go down the rabbit hole of Truman Capote and read. I'm, I'm reading about the black and white ball, and I, it's just fascinating to get a glimpse into society of, uh, you know, a few decades ago in New York. Another world. And final question from us today. Um, what would you say is the theme song to Dame Natalie's life? Oh, um, there's a few. Um, I mean, it's funny because, you know, I, we've got this company called Imaginary, but um, it was actually somebody said it about me once um uh that my theme song should be imagine by john lennon and um and so maybe that's it I you love know that. I think, but 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 
you know, there are a lot of other songs and, and I maybe do a playlist for you. <laughs> yeah, please <laughs> do. We would love Natalie Massley. Dame we Natalie Tassley. We used to listen to a playlist. lot of um, gospel choirs in the cars around Fashion Week. Do you remember <laughs> those days? That was amazing. There's still a lot of gospel going on. Um, inspiring. In Uplifting. And yeah, listen, I think motivation and joy and to, there's something about people singing together and coming together to make a beautiful sound and um the especially harmony. the like harmony a good team rhythm like a good team yeah. in fact I, I love music so much that both my daughters now are in music i mean they're young but um, isabella who's 22 is djing and um ava who's 16 is a singer songwriter um so i guess i i feel like i've passed on one of my favorite things to to them and they can do it. I can't do it. So, and the, and actually, your youngest is going to be performing at Glastonbury, which is pretty wow. amazing. Just casually, just yeah. yeah. Well, she's now my middle one, but yes, um, yes. the sixteen-year-old, yeah, the, the youngest of the girls. Youngest so she's, of the girls. Yes, she's um, going to be on the introducing stage. Um, she's got a set of five songs, and you know, it's her thing. I'm staying out of it but we're going and we're gonna cheer her on well thank you so much thank that you. was um awesome yeah we could have gone forever but yeah. thank you so much nationally it was really really oh. so interesting so fascinating thank you so much for having me and thank you for all those lovely things that you said and um if anybody has a great idea about a new business that needs to be started call imaginary because we're we're all ears yeah and a great team to you know sort of support and look after brands as well which is incredible and and you know I as I say we I could talk to you for I've just spent years working with you and I could talk to you for years so um thank you so much and I'll see you at the other side of the world at some point when <laughs> when we're back in New York we're still working together you you've got the best beauty brands and you know we we're just so proud that our portfolio is represented at Mecca thank you so much Thanks, Natalie. Thank you. Thank you for listening to this episode of Mecca Talks. If you liked what you heard, follow us on your favourite podcast app and you'll be notified as soon as our next episode becomes available. Don't forget to rate, review and share this episode with your friends.